Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E dot com. My friends Jamie and Kirsten have been together since high school. Jamie and I are classic opposites attract in many, many ways. Kirsten's been one of my best friends for about 15 years, and I was roommates with Jamie for a year after college, so I know these people pretty well. And that opposites thing Kirsten just said is totally true. Jamie is in bed every night by about 9 o'clock. Kirsten's a partier. She likes to be out late. Jamie's an engineer. He likes to occupy himself with projects and making things. Kirsten's a social worker, a people person. She can have long, deep, bonding conversations with just about anybody. And then there's how they handle anxiety. You know, he's a checker. So he's a guy who has to check the stove and the iron before he leaves the house, whether or not he's used those appliances. Um, he's a list maker. Fortunately, doing those rituals does tend to help him relax. Like when he writes a list of what he's got to do, he does feel calmer afterwards. Um, but man, that's de not how I work. <laughs> I'm not a worrier. I'm not a planner. You know, I'm not super organized. You know, I definitely the kind of person who forgets, you know, when her time of the month is every single month. I'm surprised. Kristen's laid backness, her ability to just go with the flow was exactly what I needed when she came to stay with me after Sasha was born. She came for an entire week, leaving her four-year-old at home with Jamie. And she helped me get through my first days on my own after my husband went back to work. Sasha was two months old at that time. And up till then, things had just been really, really crazy. Um, because of complications with my episiotomy, um, I'd been cooped up on this air mattress in my very dark living room for those entire two months. And Kirsten came and she like helped me transition back to real life, you know, like sleeping upstairs in my own bedroom. And she helped me take my first walk around the block. We, we did have to take a very long break in the middle of that walk, but we made it around the block. 
And she taught me a bunch of tricks, like um, how to breastfeed your baby where they're sitting upright and, and facing you. And she taught me how to soothe Sasha by stroking the little curve at the top of her nose. And and you are the one who gave me the name of this podcast. <laughs> and do you remember saying that to me, saying that this was the longest, shortest time? I do. I do. Yeah. And you gave me this gift of, of being able to be with you during, you know, your beginning of, of being a mother that, you know, you gave me the gift of being able to um, to say this is just a period of time. This is a stage. It's not going to last forever. So let's say it together. This is the longest, shortest time. I'm Hillary Frank. This is our first episode post-Kickstarter. From here on out, we're going to be having a new episode every other week, posting Wednesdays at 3 a.m., and there are going to be lots of new ways for you to participate in this project. I'll be giving you details on the first one at the end of this episode. So listen all the way through to the end for that. But for now, on to Kirsten's story. Kirsten. I'm not a worrier. And Jamie. He's a checker. Have a son, Jack. He's eight. And the way Jack came into the world started with um, a guy who didn't like to hug people. We all know those kinds of people, right? Or maybe you are one of those people where hugging just feels awkward. Anyway, Kirsten had been out to dinner with this guy, Seth, a a non-hugger, and a bunch of other friends, and she's feeling a little funny. But maybe that was just the pizza and the brownie sundae. So she gets a ride back home with Seth, and as Seth is saying goodbye, he decides, now is the time. Now is the time to change. He is going to hug the pregnant lady. And as he hugged me, my water broke. You know, I mean, there was a splat sound on the the ground, and it it took a a little while for him to realize. I literally had to say, my water broke, my water broke, my my water broke. I am going to have a baby. That baby was coming four and a half weeks early, so... Things get pretty chaotic. Um, Jamie, Kristen's husband, has been walking home. He didn't have a cell phone yet. So Seth, the non-hugger, um, runs to find him. Jamie's not totally uptight. He'd actually let loose a bit at dinner and had a few beers, not expecting to have to drive his wife to the hospital. He will say that he sobered up quicker than any human being ever could. and So that's um, the trick. Right. If you need to sober up. That's right. Yeah, that's right. not coffee. Exactly. <laughs> right. Premature labor, <laughs> you know, accidents, anything that sends your loved ones to the hospital, that'll sober you up real fast. Kristen winds up having a labor and delivery free of interventions. She and Jamie get to meet baby Jack briefly, and then he's rushed off to the NICU or PICU, actually, intensive care for preemies. After one night at the hospital, Kristen has to go home. But Jack stays. And here's where the woman who introduced me to the idea of the longest, shortest time has her own longest, shortest time. Jack's healthy. You know, he's fine. Just small. And the hospital basically tells Kirsten, Your kid's not going to go home until he gains a certain amount of weight. Five pounds was what they wanted him to weigh. It was a high-pressure situation. High pressure because Kirsten figures whether Jack stays at the hospital for days, for weeks, for months, that length of time is up to her. 
It's up to her and her ability to breastfeed. So every day, starting at about 6 a.m., she'd camp out in this windowless room in the hospital and try. You know, he didn't have a great latch, and sucking was challenging for him, and he was, you know, small and weak. And and I wouldn't say there was a ton of help with that. And part of this is maybe the way that I function, where I'm not great at accepting help either. So, you know, I wasn't asking a ton of questions. My basic philosophy was to endear the nursing staff to me so that they would be really nice to me and really, really nice to my kid. And I sort of had this idea that, you know, if I was really nice to them, they would um, give him exceptional care, you know, better than they would give any of the other babies. And I think I was putting a lot of focus towards that. Um, And, you know, one of the challenges, too, is that, you know, you go through at least your adult life. And, you know, for some of us lucky bastards, also maybe high school and college years, feeling like, you know, you, you you feel pretty capable. And this was one of those moments where I felt like none of my skills, none of my faculties prepared me for how to respond to this situation other than trying to be a pleaser and be really nice to the nursing staff. Um, Did you take a childbirth class? Well, you know, we took a childbirth class, but I went into labor before the last classes happened. And the childbirth class actually came when they did their tour of um, the hospital. We were in the nursery. So everybody comes and they're all, you know, like staring through the window and looking in at all the cute babies and see us. <laughs> it sounds, it does sound a little like horror movie-esque. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like exactly. the calls coming from inside the house kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know which was scarier, though, if it was scarier for them or for me to be breastfeeding this crazy little creature with an entire class of people staring in at me oh my God. and feeling like I had to, you know, look great doing it or make it look great, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you something that happened to me when um, with Sasha, and I want to, I want to see if it resonates with you. Yeah. Um, so Sasha was in the NICU for only three days. But um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't see her except for the times when when I was supposed to be nursing her. And so um, and also like my husband couldn't stay at the hospital. So I was like pretty much on my own for, you know, for for, like probably half the time. And so um, like I, I felt like I was really strong and I really got through everything. And then. I found myself outside the door of the NICU by myself, mm. uh, like ab- about to go to try to breastfeed her. And just suddenly, like the hormones hit or something, mm. or suddenly I realized what was going on. And I just had one of those moments where I like broke down and started crying, like yeah. uncontrollably, but I didn't want anyone to see. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in this very like public place. Right. You know, what's interesting about this process of, you know, having a baby and then being a mother, being a parent, is that you really figure out quick how you function and how you cope and how you deal with things or how you don't function that well and how you don't cope that well. And for me, the way that it hit that was incredibly surprising 
was feeling so anxious. Remember, Kirsten's not the anxious one. That's Jamie. I was really cautious about germs, which I didn't expect and am never worried about germs in, in real life. You know, just being really aware of all of the dangers of the world. So I, yeah, I became really anxious. Um, you know, some of the things that I think lent themselves to that was that because he had to gain a certain amount of weight to be uh, discharged from the hospital, you know, I'd leave, I probably left around like 10 or 11 at night. And then I would call in to the, the head nurse on staff at midnight and ask her, because they would check, you know, they'd, they would weigh him and they would check and see, and they had the very sensitive scales. And I would call in every midnight and check that number. And I had a list that I was keeping of, you know, what his weight was at and was so hyper vigilant about it. So I would, you know, I would be trying to fall asleep. And I literally just had the numbers running through my head. So it would just be this like, four pounds, nine ounces, four pounds, nine ounces, four pounds, nine ounces. Like the number would just be running through my head over and over and over again. Then I would fall asleep and I'd wake up and that number would be there again. Four pounds, nine ounces. And then in the morning I'd go in and, you know, be so anxious to see what the number was. And as if miraculously overnight he would, you know, gain weight. And so, you know, my anxiety grabbed hold of numbers in such a a weird way because that's, again, not something that normally ever happens to me, but utterly consumed me. So all this time when you have numbers stuck in your head, um, did you feel like you were connecting at all with Jack? No. (laughs) No, not really. You know, I have have funny feelings about that. Um, You know, the obvious funny feelings of that you know, I think, gosh, you know, did I not attach to him? Did he not, you know, was there, were there attachment issues? Um, did I love him as soon as he came out? I get, yeah, I guess so. Um, I felt fierce uh, protection for him. I felt a huge sense of duty towards him and not in, you know, not in a like, oh, this is what I got to do kind of way, but as, you know, immediately, I was aware that that this was my job and that this was my, you know, my role, that this was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but I didn't feel I wasn't washed over with love and affection. And, oh, isn't he he's so cute? And, oh, he's the you know, I love him so much. I didn't have any of those feelings. But he also just kind of looked like a big blob to me. You know, he, there, there weren't any of those, um, there weren't any of those traits that would endear him to me. You know, he, he was skinny. He was like a little skinny, bony little thing. He was, he was, I mean, he was skinny. He was a weird color. He had bruises. You know, he had a, this long, funny head, you know, he, He's incredibly adorable now, but he was not, you know, he was not a cute baby. He wasn't, um, you know, like you said, he was all skin and bones. So he wasn't, 
it, it never felt safe, you know, holding him. And so then what happened? Like, how did how did he eventually get to come home? So after eight days, you know, I went into the, the nursery and they said, you know, we think he's probably going to be ready to go home tomorrow. And so why don't you stay here tonight and take him into that little windowless room with you? Which was like, what? A, no, why, why would I want to give up this free babysitting? Because I still have <laughs> one night left of free babysitting. And, and then also that, you know, so you're telling me that as of today or yesterday, he needs 24 hour nursing care. And then as much as I want him to come home tomorrow, it's just on me and my husband to make sure he stays alive. <laughs> so it's a, you know, I'm thankful that we had I had that one night with him alone and everything, you know, was fine. I don't think I slept. I think I just stared at him and watched um, TLC, you know, cable all night long. But, you know, he he was fine and came home um, the next day. And we were so we were relieved to have him home. Uh, I don't know if that's the the right word. Uh, it was terrifying. We were absolutely terrified to to now be ultimately responsible for this human being. When you brought him home, did you know like he had to still continue to gain weight at a good pace? Oh, yeah. When he was released, we had visiting nurses services set up to come in with the explicit purpose of weighing him to make sure that he was continuing to to gain weight. So there was a, a real focus on, you know, that those numbers had to stay up. And I don't know if they ever explicitly said, you know, or he's or you're going to have to send him back. <laughs> you know, I don't think that they ever said that. Um and it wasn't easy. As soon as I got home, the nursing was even more complicated and his latch got lousier. Uh, and I was um, pumping as well because he had been on an NG tube and been getting formula from the start. Um, we always had him on a bottle and nursing, you know, as soon as he was born. So I felt like I was constantly pumping or breastfeeding or, you know, just in this constant rotation. And, you know, this is the part of my brain that is not a planner where schedules are, you know, not sort of natural for me to make or follow. And so I never got into the flow of, okay, right. So pump now. Okay. So right. Nurse now. And, and so I remember I would say, I would, you know, say to my husband, oh, right. I need to go be smart. And that was code for right, it's time to pump. Like, be smart <laughs> about this. You know, get get into your schedule. Think about what you're supposed to be doing now. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, actually, I'm sure you remember this. Uh, um, so <laughs> Jonathan and I came to visit you guys. We had a plan to come visit you, like, two weeks before you were due, which now that I've, like, had a baby seems crazy that we planned that because <laughs> like, like two weeks before that's like you could have the baby then um right. but we didn't at all expect that you would have already had the baby but we kept our visit you said it was fine to still come 
And um, we came and we met Jack, and which is how I know what he looked like and, and how I know how scary it was to hold him when he was so tiny. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, one of the things I remember vividly is you saying to me, um, Hill, you've got to come and see me pumping because it is so <laughs> such a crazy thing to see you've got to come see it. And I was like, huh, okay. And I, I can remember thinking, like, I really want to see what that's all about. And I also really don't want to. Yeah. And so yeah. I decided yeah. I was going to wait and see if you would invite me again when you were actually going to go do it. And then I would go if you invited me again. But if you didn't bring it up when you said you were going to go, then I was going to wait it out. And I didn't. I didn't. Watch. I saw the pump and I saw it and it looked just terrifying to me it is it's the wildest wildest thing i mean i had a you know when we were in the hospital the nurse came in that first night right after he was born and brought in this ancient industrial machine that was you know made this like like terrifying sound and you know hooked me up to it and was like and then you press this button and you do this and you turn this <laughs> knob and and it was just this behemoth ancient creature that you know was sucking on you know stuck onto to my breast and and then and how did you keep track of his weight after that well you know <laughs> my um my aunt-in-law who is a wonderful woman came to visit us a few days after we all had our homecoming and brought again i don't know what this theme is with all this you know ancient gear but brought this huge metal i mean it was so heavy scale i don't know what it actually you know would be used for i mean it looked like this you know like a meat scale or some kind of a a kitchen scale but gigantic you know, and rusty, you know, rusty. It, it was not something that you would want to put a baby on or that was in, enticing in any way, comforting in any way. And yet that scale became my best friend. I became obsessed, absolutely <sighs> obsessed with the scale. Uh, it was weighing him, you know, 20 times a day. And that's probably I'm, I'm probably, you know, diminishing that number, you know, was just constantly, constantly weighing him. And when I would weigh him, I'd, you know, do this whole ritual of taking off his clothes, laying down the thinnest blanket possible so that I was sure the numbers were not going to be off in any way and laying him down on the scale. And I remember going through the ritual and thinking, okay, you know, my shoulders are going to start to go down. I'm going to lose some of the tightness in my chest. It, no matter what the number is, I just need to know. And then I'll be able to relax. And I'd put him on the scale and I would check the number. And it was always stable or, or going up. He never lost weight while he was home. But it didn't matter. It didn't make me feel any better. I wasn't remotely comforted by it. I felt the immediate need to do it again and to do it again, and to do it again. So there was no comfort in the process whatsoever, but I was compelled to do it. How was Jamie reacting during this time? Was he, like, did you switch places? 
We 100% switched places. Um, Jamie is cool under fire. I think that what he would say is that because he expects or is not surprised by shit happening, when it happens, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right, shit, yeah, shit was going to happen. And so he then feels sort of, I think he feels comforted by that fact. And it's like, you know, everything is as it should be, or not should be, but everything is as he kind of would be expected to be. So he's not thrown by crisis or challenging situations. And in fact, he sort of goes into this really calm uh, place. I don't remember him doing any checking during that time period. Um, You know, I remember him being, you know, freaked out by the fact that we had this little squealing crazy creature in our our midst. But I don't remember any of that nervous energy. I think that I sucked all of it out of the universe. And, you know, it it all was living within me during that time period. Do you think that your relationship with Jamie, um, like changed at all, because you swapped places in your relationship for a little while? I think that what happened was it was a moment in my life of sheer fear. And when I look back on it now, I don't remember a lot, but what I remember was being sort of my worst self in a lot of ways, being edgy and, um, you know, nitpicking and quick-tempered and, you know, really just bitchy, really, you know, in that sort of caged animal sort of way. And he saw that for the first time. And I don't think that he, he didn't recognize that as sort of a swap happening, but he did recognize um, my fear. You know, his, his planning and his Um, you know, that checking compulsive quality that he has, what he's learned about it is that most of the time it's when he's feeling fearful and that he, he tries to use, you know, these coping strategies or these tricks to writing lists, uh, you know, checking that he's unplugged things to try and feel more in control. So in the long run, I do think that what changed was that we ended up sort of both having some, some real empathy for each other and recognize something in each other. But, you know, it was it, it was a scary, shitty road to get there. Kirsten Sear and Jamie Fink live in Portland, Maine. Their son, Jack, now weighs... Hey, Jack? Yeah. How much do you weigh? It's me. How much do I weigh? Uh, you weigh, like... Like, like 80 or more? 80 or more, 80 or more, 80 or more. Today, I'm excited to be announcing our first giveaway. We're doing this in collaboration with A Little Bundle, which is this very cool custom care package service for new moms. Um, So Annie from A Little Bundle came to me during the Kickstarter and asked me if I'd be interested in curating a bundle for her website. Um, And I said, yeah, I I would love to do that. As long as we can make the theme something like, let's get real about what you need in early motherhood. 
So um, together we created this package called the Not So Glamorous But So Necessary Bundle. And there's stuff in it like hemorrhoid cream and nursing pads. But then there's also fun stuff like dark chocolate with sea salt, which is one of the things that Kirsten brought to me when she came to visit me when Sasha was born. Um, there's also some really awesome lip balm and soap. And then there's fun stuff like um, colorful baby socks, which, believe it or not, I really did find absolutely necessary in my early days as a mom. Um, so you can find this bundle for purchase at a littlebundle.com. But you can also win one at our website, longestshortesttime.com. Just go to the giveaway blog post and you can find all the details to enter the contest. We're going to be having more giveaways and events throughout season two. Our first event will be a Google Hangout on the topic of parenting hacks. That's happening January 29th, so save the date. Subscribe to our newsletter at our website to find out more about what we've got planned. Thanks, of course, to everyone who contributed to the Kickstarter and made Season 2 possible. Thanks to Michael May for helping to record Kirsten. Thanks also to Moo for donating our Spark Cards, which helped spread the word about our show during the Kickstarter. Today's episode was brought to you with support by Medela. Mother of two, Betsy, used her battery-operated Medela pump to keep her supply up while climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Whether you need to pump at work, at home, or on the mountaintops, you can find Medela pumps at diapers.com. And I've got to say, diapers.com really saved me on numerous occasions in my first days as a mom, back when I had bigger things to worry about than noticing when the diapers were running out. Let's just say their next day delivery came in very handy. You can get 20% off your first order at diapers.com or actually on any of their sites where you can find things like books and toys, hemorrhoid cream, nursing pads, you name it, by using the promo code LONGEST20. That's LONGEST20. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. I'm Hilary Frank. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of The Longest Shortest Time. And as always, if you'd like me to consider your story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood for this podcast, go to LongestShortestTime.com and click Contact. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's 
pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.